2: Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Dynasty Owner. I am Andrew Laird, and joining me momentarily is Scott Jensted as we break down the importance of contest selection in daily fantasy football. With the fantasy football season still over a month away, we're going to go back to some strategy podcasts that we did last year to either refresh the memories of those who listened last summer or help those who are new to the podcast. Uh, we went over the basics of DFS football in last week's podcast, and this week. Uh, we dive into the different types of contests that are offered by the major DFS sites like DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo, and what decisions you should be making before you even consider which players you might roster. Uh, contest selection goes beyond just what whether you're playing cash games or GPPs, but also kind of what types of tournaments you might be entering, whether they're single entry with limited players or trying to win the Millimaker, uh, and we break down the different strategies that go into those different types of tournaments. As always, if you have any follow-up questions... Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Rotowire Andrew. Scott is at Scott uh, and you can also reach out to me through the Rotowire Discord chat, which is available to all subscribers. If you haven't joined yet, just go to Rotowire.com/chat, and you can jump right in. With that, let's break down DFS football contest selection.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the RotoWire Football Podcast. It is uh, July 26th, Friday. I'm Scott Jensta, joined today again by Andrew Laird. Uh, this is the uh, this is the DFS version of the football podcast. So uh, during the season, we will be fully breaking down the slate for you, talking about games, talking about players, talking about injuries, all that kind of stuff. But in the preseason, uh, Andrew and I decided we're going to talk about uh, you know DFS in general, strategy, contest selection, uh, what money uh, what money you play, what types of games you play, that sort of stuff. Uh, before we jump into the uh, the details, Andrew, how are you today?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, I think. Uh, hopefully we cover it over the next uh, few weeks. But I think there's a lot of stuff about DFS that people don't necessarily think about. And there's some things that will make that will have a pretty big uh, effect on an ROI. And so uh, hopefully we can get those out of the way now so that when the season is underway, we can just talk about players and pricing.
1: Absolutely. And, I, and I, it's funny because, you know, I obviously uh, I play a lot and I, I think I'm pretty good week by week at breaking down the slate and, you know, finding players and stuff like that. But I think that contest selection, money management is something that, you know, I don't really uh, I don't really do perfectly at all in any way. So it, it'd be good to talk to you about. It. I know you're really good at this uh, kind of realm of DFS, doing all the soccer work and all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's hard for me because uh, as we talked about last time, I, was, I had like I had one big score in DFS a few years ago, and I think it it kind of taints a little bit how I it, you know it's hard for me to jump into the the three dollar double up and it's not that you know money <laughs> the level you play at is fine for what you do and it's really important to know that but when you win a bunch of money it kind of seeps in your mind like oh i gotta do that again whereas you know it's pretty dumb because you still have to play week to week to make money but i feel like it's kind of tamed a little bit how i play and i go a little bit too much for the big uh, you know gpp shot now that i you know, i had one you know not a millionaire maker or anything like that but a pretty big score i think it uh, it kind of affects how i play a little bit
2: yeah. In football specifically, although, you know, there are opportunities in baseball and basketball, but like somebody like me coming from soccer, where generally if you win like the big GPP of the week, it's not like life changing money. Um, right. You obviously can increase your bankroll. Hopefully, uh, the big problem we have in soccer is that just not many people are playing. So hopefully if you win, you kind of keep playing and keep the money in the ecosystem. But for football, when you have such a big win, I can totally see that. Like the idea, and we'll kind of get get into this a little later, but the idea is usually you can kind of grind out a little each week, each week, and and right. you're hoping for that huge score. And then it's like, well, what do you do after that huge score? Do you really want to just keep grinding, like you said, those three dollar, five dollar double ups, or do you just kind of keep going, going big? And so, um, it's a it's a good problem to have, I think.
1: Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't want to give the problem back. That's
2: yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs>
1: I think it's important to know like what kind of DFS player you want to be, and that's something that each person needs to figure out. And some people, you know, putting in uh, you know a hundred bucks a week and trying for the millionaire maker or trying to win a hundred thousand dollars, you know, that's fun and, and, it's, and kind of taking that shot is what makes it fun. Some people that uh, don't like to lose money. Some people grinding out money is really important. I think it's uh, it's key that. Each individual person has to kind of set that for himself. There's no set way to play DFS. I think we hit on that last week. There's no there's no right way to play. Um, but uh, talk about a little bit uh, how you feel, how you kind of uh, advise people on, you know, someone jumping into DFS or trying to figure out exactly uh, how they should start playing.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we – everybody knows that, like, there are people who do this professionally. The number of people right. who do it is probably smaller than, than people expect. Uh, but – Obviously, if you're playing daily fantasy sports, you're generally doing it to win money. Uh, That's, you know, whether you do it professionally, whether you do it as kind of a side income, whether you do it just recreationally or you're just trying to hit that million dollars. Like we are not necessarily in this to lose money. (laughs) Right. A lot of people do lose money. And that's I mean, that's generally part of it. But um, the goal is to win money. And uh, subsequently you need to figure out how seriously you want to take this. And like we said, like everybody's financial situation is different. Everybody's hobbies are different. Like some people look at this as a hobby and that's fine. And if you want to spend five to 20 bucks a week on your hobby, that's good. There are other people who spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on their hobbies. Uh, you know, if you, um, if you're somebody who likes to put like train sets together, like real model trains, like that's, they're usually not getting money back from that. But you know, right. there's, there's hobbies like that. I collected baseball cards as a kid and figured I would retire when I was 25 because I had all these Frank Thomas rookie cards. And, um,
1: how'd that, how'd that work out for you?
2: Yeah, here I am here yep. living the life. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: um, I, I'm in the same boat. The, 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 amount of 87 tops that are in my attic right now oh would, uh, would, astound you.
2: It's a great season though. I mean, that was, was a it great was. set. I have the same set. That's the problem. I, we both have it and but plenty of people it's have
1: it's worth like eleven dollars.
2: Oh, man, uh, I'll have yes, a story you
1: probably, you probably couldn't get the eleven dollars for it either.
2: I was gonna say, yeah, you'd have to pay somebody 20 bucks to come get them and then uh, they'll yeah, give you the eleven my, to
1: my wife. Isn't my wife has tried that multiple times. Actually,
2: <laughs> we just moved uh, boy. We're really going off the rails early. We just moved and I have like <laughs> trunks of baseball cards. And my wife's like these aren't really coming with us, right? And I was like, <laughs> how are kids going to college? Of course, they're coming with us. But anyway, um, so you gotta figure out what you wanna do. If you're, if you're willing to go in every week and say, I'm gonna spend $100 to try to win a million, and you do that 17 weeks in a row, you're probably not going to win the million, but you might. Uh, but if you lose all your money every week and you're saying, you know, this is just what, a, how I have fun, then so be it. Um, but there are other people who don't wanna lose money every week, um, and don't necessarily need to try to win a million dollars. Some people, are trying to win enough just to play the next week. And so right. generally, uh, the idea is that you do a mix of uh, GPPs and cash games because uh, GPPs are much harder to win. They're basically harder to cash in. I mean, a lot of them now, you need to be in the top 20% just to get about one and a half, one, one and two third times return, uh, yep. which basically, not basically, which is by definition worse than a double up. Uh, and generally in double ups and 50, 50s, certainly 50, 50s, you only have to be in the top half. So like, why am I trying to now get in the top 20% to win less of a return than, than double ups. So, uh, the idea is, you know, you have to go into these GPPs thinking you're going to finish in the top 1%, uh, and you'll get paid because of that. But, um, Cash games are there to kind of supplement, so that you're the idea is you can grow your cash games a little bit each week, and then GPPs kind of probably take your your ROA ROI graph down a little bit, but then uh, the head to heads and cash game and other cash games build it back up, and then hopefully you get that one big hit in a GPP, and that's kind of what propels you. Uh, and then if you're somebody who really uh, adheres to kind of strict bankroll management strategies that a lot of people use that. May not be appropriate for everybody, but you know if you have more money in your in your bankroll, then theoretically you're playing a little more each week, and that's just kind of how you you continue to play DFS. But um, you have to recognize that if you're just playing cash games, it's going to take a very long time to kind of build that bankroll up because your upside is only you know basically two x or you know some triple ups and quadruple ups, which are a little different, but right. essentially if you're playing uh, head to heads and double ups the most you're going to do is double your money uh, each week. And in a GPP, you're winning significantly more. And so, um, you know, getting that right mix is what will hopefully keep you going week in and week out.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to note that we talk about GPPs and cash games. and it, It's not an either-or proposition here. It's, it's right. something that you can play both of. And that's what I do. I am uh, I probably fall in the middle of kind of what we talk about. You know, I do want to make money, don't want to lose money. But I, I'll admit that I probably play a few too many uh, GPPs for uh, for what would be the ideal money management. Like I said, uh, I did have a big score once, so I'm kind of you know not to say I'm great or anything, but I'm, pl- I'm playing with house money a little bit, which helps a little bit. I don't feel quite as bad uh, the last couple years mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, I, a week I lose, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm still, I'm still doing pretty well. So I play a combo. I probably play a little bit too much GPP that I'm going to try and fix a little bit this year. I'm going to try and uh, be a little bit buddy, better with the money management. It, do you have a, do you have a feel on, you know, what percentage you play in cash, what percentage GPP do you do that at all? And also on that note, while it's in my head, are you a person that thinks that you should throw all your cash lines in a small GPP just to make sure in case you hit big? You don't want to be the person <laughs> that finishes first in your double up and doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't hit big for it?
2: Yeah, the um. Football is kind of an interesting way in that, and I, I think we touched on a little bit last week that like a, a very, very good cash lineup tends to not do well in GPPs, just because uh, good cash lineups tend to have higher ownership throughout. And in in big football GPPs, like you need really low owned guys. And that's not to say you can't have a low owned guy in in a cash game, but um, there are elements of risk that come to that. Where in a double up, it's not worth it, basically. You're not getting an appropriate return based on how much risk you're taking with a guy who's, who's super low. But um, I generally, like I said, I generally play cash games, but I, I definitely always drop it into a, in some GPP, doesn't matter which one it is. Right. Um, because uh, I don't play the millimaker at all. Uh, I think I've played it once or twice, but like the, the strategies that go into the Millie Maker are so different than how I generally play that it's almost like, not that I'm not, not that it's similar, but like, it's, it's a totally different game. Uh, one that like, I just don't really love playing. Uh, maybe I'll change that opinion this year as I try to, to play a little more, but, um, as I, as I peer press you into it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this is, (laughs) this is how it'll work. You will get me to play more GPPs and I'll get you to play more cash games. And, um, Hopefully one of us hits, uh, that's
1: probably, it's probably a really good combo. We probably end up at the right spot.
2: (laughs) Hopefully. Yeah, that's, that's our goal here. Um, but yeah, so I I don't think there's necessarily a specific, uh, percentage that you have to do every week. I mean, there are times where, uh, the, it makes more sense to actually play more GPPs just based on what they're offering. Like if you're somebody who really doesn't want to spend, uh, $20 on a GPP entry, then you're kind of ignoring the Millie Makers, but like sometimes they have it at five dollars and it's like, well maybe right. I'll I'll play it this week. Um generally those are the weeks that the people who play multi-line multiple lineups are playing even more if they can because uh you know it's less uh less to get in. So uh, I, I generally think uh if you are looking to kind of maintain a bankroll uh throughout, uh you should be like heavily cash gained. Like Eighty twenty, even like right. the the swings of GPPs are, are drastic and they tend to be, uh, down. Like it's even if you're min cashing GPPs every week, uh, like I mentioned before, like if, if that's what you're doing every week, you're better off playing double ups because you're getting sure. more of a return and you're not having to beat as many people. Uh, so, um, in terms of like, just, yeah, man, maintaining a bank role, the, the risk uh, the downside risk of cash games is lower uh, because uh, and we'll I think we'll get into that a little bit later just in terms of the opponents that you're facing but like right b- because GPPs are so hard to, to even cash in I mean when you really think about it like you're, you're having to beat in, in football like thousands and thousands of entries just to turn your five dollars into eight dollars um, that if you're ju- just playing GPPs, you, you just have to understand that your ROI graph is probably going to be moving down most of the time. Uh, and then the idea is hopefully you get that one big spike up before you get to zero and don't want to play anymore.
1: Yeah, and we talk about you know GP got to be in the top twenty percent of cash, but they're so heavily weighted towards the top yeah. that you really you're really looking at you know, like the top half percent or something like that. It's uh, you know especially like the millionaire maker, it, it, you know it's called the millionaire maker because the, the the top prize a million dollars. It takes so much of the prize pool that sure if you finish second or third you're gonna do really well, but if you finish like fifteenth you're really not scoring that
0: much.
2: Yeah, we um I, I have admittedly been uh, kind of a somebody who is publicly looking down on, on GPP structures like this. Um, but the, uh, just like you said, they're, they're really top heavy and, uh, the soccer ones are obviously much smaller. So like the way that, that I generally look at them, you're like, um, you know, they'll come out with a new, another GPP and it's like, Oh, it's a thousand dollars to first, which in soccer you tend not to get that much. And then it's right. like a $70 to sixth. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, cr- that's crazy. Uh, and it so, is. but you kind of have the same structures in football, except the numbers are just bigger. And so when you're looking at GPPs, um, and, and DraftKings seems to be very adamant that, that the top prize is what people, what most people want, um, whether that's right or wrong is not a discussion we need to get into. But like, if you're looking and you say, wow, I can win $250,000 in this tournament, uh, And, and that's enough for some people like, all right, I'm going to, I mean, you don't enter GPPs thinking like, I really hope to come in 375th. Like you obviously are are building a lineup that you think, or multiple lineups, one of which you think is going to win. Um, but if you look at what you're actually entering into and you think I, if I don't win, where do I have to finish in order to essentially make my money back? And if the answer is like first, second, third, or fourth, then your strategy changes about both whether you want to enter that GPP and how many times. Before we continue, just a quick message from our sponsor, Dynasty Owner. Are you looking for a new challenge? Then it's time to start playing Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football this season. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office. Dynasty Owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash Rotowire because leagues are forming now. That's DynastyOwner.com slash Rotowire. We've all been in a league where the winner just got lucky, or if you're like me and know you're better than most, Dynasty Owner gives you the platform to prove it. Dynasty Owner favors skilled players who can manage their roster using real NFL salaries within the salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. Go to dynastyowner.com slash RotoWire to validate your fantasy football skills. That's dynastyowner.com slash RotoWire.
1: So we kind of uh, started getting into a GPP contest selection, and you know we talk about GPPs kind of in general, uh, guaranteed prize pool contests. But there are a ton of different GPPs. We talked about the Millionaire Maker; that's kind of the big DraftKings contest. But you know that kind of has usually over 100,000 people in it. Uh, The the FanDuel one is usually a twenty five dollar entry. They call it the Sunday Million. That usually gets uh, you know the the year that I did well in it was seventy five thousand people. And these are huge (laughs) contests, but. There's also there's there's three dollar GPPs, there's five dollar GPPs, there's single entry GPPs. So let's kind of talk about, you know, we're early in the preseason. There's no player news to talk about as much as, uh, you know, training camp Twitter does zero for me. Um, It's just the worst. Like I don't need to hear about I don't need to hear about a guy catching a five yard out that looked good (laughs) in training camp. It drives me so. It's it's worse than spring training Twitter, which is really really bad, but. Training camp Twitter takes it to a whole other level. But on, on that side note, but so let's talk about GPP contest selection. And this is something that I kind of struggle with a little bit. Like, you know, do I jump in the $100 uh, GPP or do I jump in the big $3? You know, that sounds so much cheaper. The top prize is the same, but there's so many more teams. You, your chances, you know, go away, obviously way down. So um, how do you start to think about when you do play GPPs? I know you're more of a cash game guy, but how do you start to think about which ones to play? Are you a single entry person? Are you multi-entry? Do you do multiple lineups when you do a GPP? Where, where do you kind of fall on that, that world?
2: I have kind of a weird, uh, opinion of different GPP sh- like, um, options just because I'm generally somebody who plays cash games and makes one lineup. And yet I tend to not play the single entry GPPs. Um, because specifically in football, I, get, I mean, it happens in baseball and, and others, but like, uh, there are a lot of times where people are like, Oh, single entry. And usually with cash games, some, you know, you make one lineup and that's kind of the optimal lineup that you have. But even those lineups tend not to do well in single entry GPPs. Like the, the risks that people take are still high enough where, uh, just like dropping a cash lineup into a single entry, uh, GPP tends not to work, work out just because, um, it's almost like too optimal as, as weird right. as that sounds. Um, so I generally play any sort of, you know, the $5, $10 the, DraftKings has a $9 one that actually has like a really flat payout structure that I tend to, to play. So as, that's, as yeah, a, that's a,
1: that's a great contest, I love that one.
2: Yeah. Actually. So as a, a crusader of flat payouts, I tend to avoid the really <laughs> top heavy ones. Although I'll be honest, uh, that it, it just seems very different to me when uh, I enter a contest and even if it's the percentage is the same, but when you're you can still win, you know, a thousand dollars for seventh as opposed to the seventy dollars I'm used to in soccer. Like I'm like, I would still take a thousand bucks like the, the top prize is life changing money. But like after that, it's DFS changing money. You know, the bankroll changes a little differently. But oh, yeah. um, so I actually generally look at payout structures before I look at even the top prize. I mean, obviously, the the total GPP size is it is what grabs your attention. But like I'm looking at like entry fee and you know what is tenth place pay as opposed to first place and kind of where I can go from there and at some point it's like am I better off just entering this into a cash game like do I think the lineup I have and since I tend to side on the optimal lineups I, I play for floor instead of upside instead of ceiling uh if I really don't think i'm I can win with this lineup and obviously I can make another lineup it's nobody's stopping me from that um but that's kind of why I end up just going towards cash games because, uh, it's just easier for me to do that. But, um, the, the one thing I wanted to touch on, um, which I didn't drop in our notes here, uh, is the, this idea that, um, the, the mass multi-entry guys have such an advantage and you, um, <clears throat> you, uh, have a good point here in our notes, I, which I'll say now, but, uh, um, <laughs> People look at it and they're like, oh, this person won the whatever GPP. Yeah, but he had 150 lineups, so he had every combination. It's like you, you mathematically cannot do it. Like th- There's right. no way for somebody to accomplish all of the combinations needed that you're like, oh, well, that's why he won, because he has every combination. And so um, <clears throat> when, you, when you look at these like tournaments where, where it's a 150 max— uh, and you're like, I can't compete with those guys because that guy has 150 entries and I only have one. Um, he's also putting up a lot more money, which is why the GPP is so much bigger. Like other oh, there's a reason the, that the 150 maxes are bigger than the single entry because they're just they're not enough players. So right. you now we need certain people to to max out their entries to get the prize pool up. But the thing that yeah. it, it's like an optics thing, basically, that. Uh, we see somebody who made 150 lineups win a GPP, and we're like, "Oh, it's because of that." Yeah. Whereas, if if it was single entry in the same situation, and this person won with their single lineup, and we're like, "Oh, that's good," and and there were 149 other people with the the other lineups, uh, that like doesn't bother us as much. Like I, I I'm just somebody like I'm not bothered by somebody who happens to have 150 lineups win a GPP um, because like. What is the difference if that person won with 150 or another person won with one, like I didn't win. I'm in here to win it myself. And if I didn't win, like it, it doesn't matter to me. So, um, I'll get off that topic. Sorry.
1: And I think what people forget, too, is that that person that is 150, it, it, they, while they may win, they're entering a lot of bad lineups, too. I mean, they're entering a lot of lines that don't win. So they're putting up a lot of a lot of risk also. And like you said, that builds up the entire the pool of the GPP. So that's uh, that's big there. Are you if you do do a GPP, are you someone that enters just your one lineup? Or are you do you play around with some cores and that kind of thing? Do you play, a, you know, kind of a you know, three or five lineups? You so just, just, you just stick with your one.
2: Uh, No, if I if I start playing more GPPs, then I tend to. I mean, I probably never go more than like six, to be honest. And, um, and depending on the GPP, uh, is, you know, it, that doesn't mean I'll take six and put them all in one GPP. I, I could spread it out, but there are some where you're better off having multiple entries into the single GPP. That's like, uh, different lineups, but in the same GPP, as opposed to like one lineup in this GPP, one lineup in that one, like there are different reasons to have those, but, um, You know, like you said, there's a core that you always have. And so at that point, then you're just, you know, change a defense, change your tight end. If you have two guys that are similar, Um, you know, if you have a a wider quarterback, wide receiver, tight end stack, maybe you change the stack a little bit by getting the other wide receiver or, um, you know, just change that where and you keep your running backs like you don't necessarily want to say, I'm going to enter six completely different lineups because, I think that's
1: a big mistake people make too. Yeah, I think that that's uh, That you're just never gonna. You're just never. You're just gonna beat yourself over and over. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Like the the odds are higher that you're that none of them cash, um, right? Uh, as opposed to all six of them. And so, and with these top heavy, like that doesn't necessarily mean you you shouldn't diversify. But like uh, there are some lineups where if you um, if it's really top heavy and you're like I'm gonna try ten lineups in this GPP to win it. Um, you want to have uh, as as spread of a base like, as possible, like more more players in your lineups, because uh, you want to finish first. So you don't want to necessarily have two lineups that are very similar, so that you finish ninth and tenth for a hundred and eighty dollars. Um, you want to have. You're better off trying to get one that wins a hundred thousand, and all the others get zero. I mean, you, the, the you you want you have to keep thinking of this idea that I'm going into this. And I want to finish first. Uh, But that $9 one uh, that we ran for us on DraftKings has a much flatter payout. So it actually does benefit you to finish sixth and seventh as opposed to first and 195th. So um, when you go into these GPPs and if you want to enter multiple lineups in a single GPP to win it, just understand that the payout structure should have an effect on the specific lineup construction that you use for each one.
1: So if you're uh, – say you're playing five lineups in a contest that's uh, – let's go with the kind of the flat payout $9 version. Like uh, if you're playing five contests and Saquon Barkley's your favorite play of the week, you really think you like the matchup, you like the price, you think he's going to be popular but not uh, so prohibitively so that you don't want to play him. Like how many of your five lineups would you put him in? Is it like two, three, or three? You, you're not playing five of five with him, right?
2: Uh, probably not. But like if I, if I think he's the best play that week and I'm in a GPP where like it doesn't hurt if I finish uh, seventh – 11th and 15th like i'll put them in four like it, okay uh, the obvious i mean obviously five and he's terrible you lose all of them uh, but right. uh i think if you're really strongly opinionated on on one player like it's okay to go that heavy on them i mean th- again there you'll probably not see guys go 80 percent on 100 in 150 lineups but if you have of five course, right. like i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but uh the opposite of that is if you're in a, a the top-heavy GPP, uh, you you don't want four Barclays because you don't want four entries to be ruined. If he, right. I mean, obviously it's ruined in the other one too, but you're probably winning a little more um, based on the flatter payout. But if you need to finish first, second, or third, uh, then you're down to you know one or two Barclays as opposed to four or
1: five. So in a top-heavy GPP, since we're talking about it, I think you and I might differ a little bit here. Are you? Are you going to fully, fully fade someone that you think is uh, is popular? I think that football, in my opinion, I think football is a little less with this. I think that sports like basketball and golf, you get guys that are 30, 40, 50 percent, and I think you, you guys become a must fades. I think we talked about a little bit last week, like the the running back who's five thousand on on one of these sites that that you know falls in a role. Yeah, that's to be a guy that's gonna be super high percentage, but for me. You know, it feels like the top-end quarterbacks, top-end running backs, top-end receivers, usually enough good ones that kind of get separated out. And I'm usually playing the one I like most, um, you know, at those levels without worrying about percentage too, too much.
2: Yeah, I think as long as you go in knowing that if, that, if you're fading the highly-owned guy and he explodes, like, you're probably dead. Yes. It, that doesn't mean that the guy that you're taking instead can't also have a great game. Uh, but... And and the difficulty is, is that the guy that you're taking actually has to beat the other one. And so that's ultimately the problem that you come across with fading these guys. And, and people are like, oh, I'm just people kind of misunderstand why people fade. And the, the some of the thought is like, well, this guy's fading. So he's fading Barkley today because he doesn't think he's going to do well. And it's like, right. no, 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 he's, he's fading Barkley because everybody else is going to have him. And he knows somebody who, or he has somebody that he thinks might be better. And if nobody has that other guy, you, you're you now leapfrogging all the Barkley owners. And so it's much more leverage than it is um, fading because you don't think he's a good play. Like I see, I follow way too many people in <laughs> DFS on Twitter, but it, but it is something like that. Never, like,
1: never, never a good thing.
2: Yeah, it, it's some dark days sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, it's just like, I can't believe you didn't like so-and-so. And it's like, well, it's not that I didn't like him. It's just that I knew that everyone else was going to be on him. And right. a very important strategy in these big GPPs is being able to recognize a pivot from a guy who's going to be highly owned that could outperform. And... If he outperforms, you gain so much more than the people who are playing the highly owned guy because everyone else has him, And so you're not you you can't get ahead of somebody if you guys have the same player.
1: Yeah, I just feel in football that those highly owned guys aren't quite as high as they are in other sports, and and I'm I'm fully veering away from the the, the cheap guy that everybody does have, and there are the weeks that does happen that does happen, but I usually feel like uh, especially with quarterbacks, like I don't even worry about percentage for me in quarterbacks. And I know some people probably disagree with that, but uh, on a full slate, there are so many different quarterbacks that I never see anybody. You know, every once in a while, yeah, but you rarely see anybody over fifteen percent, or something like that. I mean, in, in, a, in a full slate week. We're talking 13 games. You know, you take out the three uh, primetime games. That's 26 quarterbacks. You probably throw 10 out right away because they're not good, or you hate the matchup, and you're still looking at 15 guys. I think just I think percentages at least at, the, at that position spreads out so much that that's one spot. Even a GPP, I don't really worry about percentage myself.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's perfectly reasonable. And on the flip side, if you think there's a wide receiver who's going to be really highly owned you might be better off not taking them anyway because there's so many wide receiver options. Like you have,
1: there's so much more variable than quarterbacks are totally,
2: totally. Yeah. And so like, generally you'll see the running back, you know, if there's a highly owned running back, he's going to be higher owned than the highly owned wide receivers just because of the, the volume itself is there. Like you, there are plenty of, um, wide receiver twos, even some threes that get ownership because they're reasonably, they're reasonable plays, but like backup running backs. Yeah. I mean, you, the only reason to take a backup running back is basically leverage. And even then it's kind of a questionable thing. Like you're probably better off just taking a different starter. Whereas yeah, wide receiver the past distributions are, are broad enough in a lot of cases where you can get by with, you know, the, uh, the Adam Humphreys of the world. Um, whereas you don't necessarily <laughs> want to fade, you know, the, some sort of high price or highly owned running back. And even then, like the, there are enough running backs and, generally the the pricing uh for backup running backs is really where you see these like high owned situations even in gpps like starter gets hurt on wednesday and the price is already out so they can't change them but like rarely do those situations come up with a wide with a wide receiver tight end like roles change but like really uh going from a wide receiver two to wide receiver one like it's not like you're Tripling the expected output, whereas that actually does happen with running backs. Right, I mean, there, they're, you're going from a possible five to six touches to like twenty, and like that's when you want to take advantage of it. But you have to realize that's when everybody is going to take advantage of it. Now, a quick message from our sponsor, FanDraft. Take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with FanDraft, the online fantasy football draft board. FanDraft makes your draft feel like an actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logos, team walk-up songs, multiple draft board displays, and more. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts by exporting the display via projector or onto a large screen TV for the league to enjoy. It can also be used fully online and any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. You can perform both traditional and auction style drafts, Fandraft also supports IDPs, rookie-only drafts, keepers, and just about any customization to meet your league requirements. You can sign up for a free trial account at fandraft.com, and when you're ready to order the pro account, make sure you use the promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's fandraft.com, and use promo code ROTOPOD15, R-O-T-O-P-O-D-1-5 to save 15%.
1: So before we get to cash game talk, a couple more GPP things. it's a it, it's a really key point you mentioned on the on the wide receivers and running backs. I mean, you take someone like you know, I'm just using Saquon Barkley because he's the top pick in, in drafts and stuff, but he's gonna touch the ball a certain time per game no matter what. Whereas a, a wide receiver, you know, they may set up a play all day long that they're not gonna get a sixty yard touchdown on and either the quarterback overthrows it or there's pass interference and you've lost that one big play that was going to you know win your gpp for you so it's just to you know when i say wide receivers are more variable that's kind of what i mean there's so many different things that can happen on a pass play whereas you know that saquon barkley's going to touch the ball 22 times going to get the ball in the red zone going to have multiple chances to break one it's just it the the, the floor goes way up for a, a running back compared to a receiver
2: for sure. Um, maybe we need to start lobbying the DFS use air yards instead of actual yards.
1: Oh, I, I like it. Uh, yeah. Pat Mahomes for the win, right? Exa-
2: there. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you kind of said it right there that, like, you know um, Barkley's going to touch the ball that many times. So, like, uh, just think, like, if, if Barkley gets hurt on Wednesday and prices were out Monday uh, and you're like, I think uh, Saquon Barkley at, um, you know, 8,000 is great. And I'm like, how about... Uh, you get Paul Perkins now or whoever is going to be back up uh, for 3,300 knowing that like Barkley's not going to play. Like you could say like, oh, he's not going to get as many touches as Barkley, but like, but he's going to get a lot more touches than somebody who's priced at 3,500 should get. And so, Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's, that's really the difference, but, um, and you can even, I mean, game script obviously changes everything as well. And not that you can easily predict game script right away, but like if a team goes out big, Early, uh, you know, they let's say they get a special teams touchdown, and then you know some oh, plays the just the worst. I yeah. hate those. And all of a sudden, you have Saquon Barkley, and after the first quarter, the Giants are up twenty-eight nothing. Like how much do you? And he has nothing yet. Like they, it was a punt block. There was a fumble, uh, in you know whatever it was, and uh, all of a sudden he has Gi- nothing. Gi-
1: Giants, Giants fans love you right now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I like to use these ridiculous hypotheticals that would never happen. So. <laughs> um, but like then you're kind of like out of luck at that point and yep. now think of it if you had like Sterling Shepard and it's like how many passes is he going to get with the Giants of 28 nothing whereas like Barkley may, you know, now the Giants have to run the run the game out. So now like Barkley's okay.
1: Yeah. And that when we when we talk, yeah, you know, game slates uh, during the season, we'll talk about game flow and game script a lot. And it's just one of those things in football that, you know, usually you can use that to your advantage. But they're just going to be games like you mentioned. There are a couple things happen where you're just going to kind of get buried. And there's not much you can do. And those are those are frustrating weeks. And usually, you know, with some over under and kind of studying the game, you can kind of figure out where it's going. But uh, obviously, that's uh, that becomes a huge variable, too. Like you said, with, uh, you know, interception for a touchdown, suddenly 14 nothing and stuff changes really fast in NFL games.
2: Right. Right. And and those are things things that like greatly affect DFS from the defense special team standpoint that like you really can't predict at all. Like, um, we'll, we'll get to that further down the road, but like, that's one of those positions like you can do whatever you want pretty much. Like,
1: yeah, I want to do I want to do a position kind of talk podcast too. So I don't want to, we will get to that in a preseason at some point. Last question I want to ask you on GPPs. Um, do you actively search for that low percentage gem? Are you someone that, like, you know, I'm going to need to have uh, a 1% guy? Do you, like, actively search for that guy who thinks to me nobody's going to have that you kind of like? Like, how active are you with, you know, trying to find that super, super low gem?
2: Uh, I actually do it more on a game standpoint. Like, what game do I think people are ignoring?
1: I, I love that. I think that's really smart.
2: And then and then it's – you go from there. And we kind of mentioned it last week. Like, if, if you have the time – uh, try to read as much as you can because then if you see like specific games that everyone's talking about, and then you look and you know usually it's the game with like with the lowest total or you know th- generally people are like well it has the lowest total so there's nothing going to happen in this game, but like things still happen like it's not yep. like there's nothing and so you look at the those games and you say which one do I think people are ignoring and and why like there the the reason they could be ignoring it is because there are five other games that. Uh, that are, that look great. And so this one just kind of getting overlooked or you just have your own reasons of actually, I think the jets are going to kill the dolphins this week. And so now maybe Sam Darnold and and Robbie Anderson. That, is
1: nice, the right nice, nice example.
2: Yeah. Like I said, I take the ridiculous ones. So that, <laughs> um, but you know, the, you, you have to, I, I think that's the way to look at it. You, you shouldn't be like, okay, let me just scroll down the, the list to the bottom of the wide receiver, uh, player pool. And like, which guy do I think might be it? Like start at the game. But I think,
1: I think people do that. <sighs> um, don't do that. I think people do. I think people do go. I think people do go like I. I, I need a one percent player, and they look for the one percent player rather than like you said. You know, find a game. I like to look at kind of the middle ranges of overrun. find a game that you really like, and then find someone that in that game who you really like. And maybe if he's 4%, you know, you don't have to have the 0.5% guy. You always see those guys that then they win and that's great. But, um, you know, search for someone that you do like that might be low percentage rather than someone that's just low percentage. I think is kind of the point I'm making.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and there are different ways to do that. I mean, you could always target that game that everybody is looking at, but you're taking the, the third or fourth wide out instead of the first. Right. Um, but generally, yeah, I, I think you're better off looking at it from a game-by-game standpoint of which, which of these lower games do I think... Uh, might go off. I mean, like, uh, Matt Stafford's, again, in DFS Twitter, somebody getting a (laughs) ton of uh, crap lately, but, like, he's somebody who can throw for 500 yards at any point. Like, it's it's odd, but, like, sometimes you just get those, like, huge Matt Stafford games, and that doesn't mean, like, you need to, like, Kenny Galladay, go right to him, but, like, Marvin Jones, I mean, they have Danny Amendola now. Like, there there are other guys um, that for for gpps like that can go off and like you only need them to go off once you don't need them to have a great season you don't need them to have a great three weeks like you just need them to have a great game today and you get the benefit of taking of finding that guy that everybody else was overlooking because you know the chiefs have a great matchup and the rams have a great and all of these other teams that we know go off every week and they have good matchups but like that doesn't mean that they're the only ones
1: yeah, and that's a really good point on the, you know, don't have to have a great season. You know, that's the, that's the mindset of of season long versus DFS. You're just trying to hit this week. You just need Matt Stafford to be great this week. You don't need him to be, you know, better than the 18th best quarterback all year. It's just this week you're focusing on. Right. Right. So let's jump into some cash game talk. We've talked a lot about GPPs. I know you're more of a cash game guy, so I'll probably lean on you a little bit here. But um, you know, the, the point, which the the point with cash game is, you know, there's there's a different there's different variations there too. And I think that uh, I probably need to explore this a little more. There's double ups, there's triple ups, there's quadruple ups, but there's also head to head. You know, you pick a get, you play against one person, whereas the most points wins that matchup. So talk to me a little bit about uh, cash games and how you decide which ones to play.
2: Now, a quick message from our sponsor, Ottenu. Ottenu Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like a real GM. It's better fantasy football. Auction-based, deep rosters, and college player prospects. Stash the next rookie of the year while it's still tearing up Saturdays. Trade for superstars to make a championship push. And develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. Visit ottenu.com today. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U. .com. Yeah, so I, I generally just stick to head-to-heads and double-ups. Like even, I mean, triple-ups and quadruple-ups I'll play if if I see the people who are in there. Um, and if I think I can, you know, if I recognize them, then that's it. it. Which is kind of one of the first things you have to realize about cash games. is like um, for head-to-heads, uh, you're going up against somebody else. Like it's, it's one other person and you're both putting money in and one of you is walking away with that money plus the little sprinkle that DraftKings or FanDuel or Yahoo takes right. um so the it so that's easy enough you only have to beat one person i mean we're talking about these gpps where you have to beat thousands and thousands of people uh in a head to head they only you only have to beat one person uh on the flip side your opponent also only has to beat one person and it's you so um you you have to realize that um there are people who play head to heads that are very good. And there are people who are not very good. And it's, if you are looking to win, it's in your best interest to play people who are not as good as you. And, and I know this sounds like very simple. uh, And, and that is, but uh, when we, you hear about people like, Oh um, no, there's a bunch of fish there. We're looking for people who never play like the, the, a lot of people play this to win money, and to win money, you have to win somebody else's money. You're not up against a house where right. you don't feel as bad taking money from MGM. <laughs> uh, you're taking somebody else's money, or they're taking yours. Uh, there, go, so, there, goes
1: the MG, there goes the MGM sponsorship. The sponsorship,
2: sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think that's kind of one of the important things you have to recognize like, right away that the, the idea is you are playing, you want to play somebody who is worse than you. Who is not as good at building lineups as you are, um, and they're going in how, do you, in, in. how do
1: you how do you figure that out? Are there, yeah, I so don't play a lot of head days. Are there, on DraftKings? Can you tell like how what people's record is? Like how so do, how do you know that?
2: You it you don't know unless you okay. play, and that that's sort of the the difficulty in getting into cash games right away. Is I mean in a sport in a, the smaller sports soccer uh, probably even hockey MMA tennis like the 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 field of uh, DFS cash game players is small enough where if you play regularly enough, you you recognize names. Okay. And the the tough thing is that uh, there are plenty of people who are good at GPPs and are terrible at cash games. And so if you enter a lot of GPPs and you're like, oh, I see this guy at the top all the time, it's possible. And, and you're like, I'll never play them in, in head to heads. It's possible they're terrible at, at cash games. I mean, generally they're not terrible, but like it's possible that they're, They just don't recognize floors enough and they take too many risks and that you can take advantage of that. But, um, so generally what you want to do when you're starting out is you try to play as many people as possible. And that doesn't mean like going out and spending thousands of dollars on this, but like, if you're going to, if you're going to go out and say, I'm going to play $20 worth of, of cash games this week in a perfect world, you find 20 different opponents because oh, okay. it gives you, um, one, it gives you the sort of a foundation now of seeing what different use, how different users play in the, uh, this guy is terrible. And then if you see <laughs> them later on, you can play them again. Uh, and then there, are, it gives you an idea of people who are very good and you don't want to play them, uh, and DraftKings and uh, gives you the opportunity to block up to 10 people. And we'll get into why that matters in a second. Um, Yahoo is unlimited. So like if there's somebody that you have played a few times and they keep beating you, there's a way to make it so that you don't play them anymore. Uh, FanDuel doesn't have that yet. Um, but uh, that lobby, that head to head lobby is a little wild West anyway. Um, but anyway, so, uh, and the, the difficulty is, is that you can't figure out if somebody is good on right, like right away. Um, but the, uh, one of the nice things about it is you can go into your head to heads and see a lineup And if you look at somebody's lineup and say, I have no idea how they got there. Like (laughs) that's probably somebody who you want to play because there's, there's generally a a, kind of a range of players that are really considered in cash games every week. Like, um, the, the, the Deshaun Jackson example that we used last week, like he is so rarely a cash play that if you're playing somebody in a head to head with Deshaun Jackson, um, and a few other guys like that, uh, they're, those lineups tend to be too risky or, you know, they tend to be riskier, excuse me, uh, and might be one that you want to play regularly. Um, and if there are other lineups where you're like, wow, this, you know, we made this whole lineup and we only have one one player that's different. If if you think you're good at cash games and ROI is kind of the way you figure that out, um, maybe that's somebody you don't want to play because it's uh, it gives you... Uh, you know, if you're going to just basically trade who wins every week, the only winner in that situation is the, the DFS site from the rake.
1: <laughs> and so, right. uh, do you like, do you like keep track of, uh, yeah, yeah. who so, you beat and who you lose to? Like, how do you, how do you kind of track, uh, your, your wins and losses against people? Do you actually like keep a notebook or something? Like, I'm interested to know how you do that.
2: Yeah. So, uh, there are a few sites that do it. Rotowire is one of them. Um, we have this DFS analyzer where, uh, you download your, um, your contest history from DraftKings or FanDuel uh, or Yahoo and you upload it to our site and it'll tell you exactly what your ROI is in GPPs, in head-to-heads, in double-ups and you can go into the head-to-head and you can see all of the people you've played and how you've done against them and it breaks it down by number of entries and how, mu- how, how much you're putting in for each one and that's kind of the way you see am I doing this well. Like it's, it's a a very big thing that I think people ignore. Um, and I'm not going to call you out on it, but I will say those who happen to have a big GPP win may not even track to see if they're good. And and there are a lot of people who, uh, hit a huge GPP and, um, it turns out that that makes them whole now that they've been losing all the time. And now they make, this and, um, So tracking your results, I think is super important because if you, after six weeks of playing head to heads or, or double ups, and you have an ROI of negative 85%, either you need to stop playing or cash games, or you need to figure out like where you're making them, where you're getting beat. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of those, like, it can be an expensive lesson, but it's an important one because you need to recognize what you're good at. And really that's where you want to focus and if building cash lineups is just not in your realm and you're uh, you're very good at finding low owned guys and we moves you up into gpps and you look and you say wow i've got a 40 percent roi in gpps which is is great usually requires a win but and if you're losing a lot of money in cash games like well at least you know that and now you're instead of taking some of your money that you usually put every week in cash games and maybe you play some more gpps but Um, the, so the, the point I wanted to say before about the, the 20 head to heads. Um, so the, the opponent diversification is, is like kind of the, the phrase, like you want to play as many people, different people as possible. And that's why some of these double ups are, are fun because you look and they're like 5,000 people. And it's like, you only have to finish in the top half and you're, and that's great. Um, because in GPPs, I have to finish in the top 10% to double my money um right. but if you so it's possible that you finish uh, of 5000 person 50-50 top 2500 win and you finish 2501 and you lose um I've done that yeah <laughs> every, everybody who plays regularly has had that one where you miss by you know a a right. rushing yard because of a kneel down or something stupid yep. like that oh yeah um the other thing is finishing 2500th and first is the same so like there's really no reason to ever go into a double up thinking I need to win this. I need to come in first. Like there's no, right. you, you don't get paid for the risk. But anyway, so if you, let's say you enter um, $21 double ups and you finish that last cashing right behind the last caching spot in all of them. So you put in $20 and you come out with zero. Uh, if you would put those all into head to heads, it's possible that all of the people that you played in that double up were behind you in the double up. Right. And now you've beaten them all in the cash game. So you've lost, so in a, almost the exact same situation, but in one that you've won everything and the other you've won nothing. And obviously the situation can come where the head-to-head, all the people finished ahead of you in the double up and in your head-to-heads and you lose that way. But there's, there's like a downside uh, risk the downside risk is actually smaller in head-to-heads because there are there are some horrible horrible people or horrible players in the DFS lobby that play head-to-heads. Like I will tell you this right now that the, you, they'll pick just the the worst players, people who are out. Like there are plenty of people who play DFS recreationally where they will they're like, oh, the I'll just play some head-to-heads and they do it on Friday night. And then all of a sudden it comes out Sunday that three of their guys are out and they don't go back and check. And like, that's, you win that. You win. Like, that's the perfect situation for you. (laughs) You want people to do that. But the idea, so you need to just realize that the more people you play gives you a a bigger pool of people that you can beat. And at least in terms of cash games and head-to-heads are the easiest one where there's just one person you have to beat. And it's possible that if, all of you enter all of the cash gain, all of the uh, double ups and all of the head to heads. It's possible that you don't win any of your double ups, but you actually beat all of your head to heads and you come out ahead.
1: So the last thing I want to—that's that's a really interesting point I hadn't thought about that way. Last thing I want to ask you about on double ups. Um, so I always see the double up lobby in this, you know, the the big one dollar double up, big five dollar double up, big twenty five dollar double up. Do you have a preference on, you know, if you're paying for if you're paying for a hundred bucks, do you put it in one hundred dollar double up, or are you playing five twenty dollar double ups Is there any difference between those? Uh,
2: no, I I will diversify it out just because it's okay. the it, same. I'm now, it's the same concept. I I'm increasing the number of people I am playing. And so generally the, um, the higher, I mean, this shouldn't surprise anybody, but generally the higher dollar double ups have better players in them, like the sharper DFS players. Makes Um, sense. So, I mean, in that situation, if I could do a hundred dollars in the $1 double ups, I would do that. Like the, 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 uh, the level itself doesn't really affect me. It's more the, where do I think I can win more often? Uh, and so, if I think that at the two dollar level, I can beat everybody like that like, that 's fine like the the benefit on Draftkings is that the really high volume guys and there' are a decent number of them uh so it 's pretty much anybody who has played a million dollars in entries, um, which sounds like a ridiculous amount of money for some people It does <laughs> um, but there are plenty of people who do it uh there are people who will play a million dollars in entries and still be down, and that doesn 't mean they 've lost a million dollars it 's just the way that that it works. But uh, they can't play in uh, cash games or GPPs. They can't play in any contest that's under $5. Right. Unless it has like a certain number of entries or whatever. So
1: I think FanDuel has the same thing. I think they have, there's some sort of entry limit there too. Yeah. Um,
2: So, so in that respect, like theoretically you, if you are focusing on double ups and 50, 50s and cash games that are one, two and $3, like you won't get the people who, Are playing the the very high volume, so in in theory those are the those are the better players, and so you're avoiding them. And again, like you want to play against weaker people, um, where you know if if you're in a your home season long league, and there's one guy every year who's better than everybody else, like if you had the opportunity to never play him, you'd take that. (laughs) You would take the guy who. You know, gives up after week two. Like you would play, if it was like, you know, if your buddy Mark gives up after week three every year and leaves his team, and I gave you the opportunity in week four to be like, you get to play Mark every week from now on, you'd take that. Of course. And so that's kind of the idea with, with DFS is you, you know, obviously at some point, hopefully you get very good and you can beat more people and more people. But the idea, <clears throat> as you know, it rubs some people the wrong way, but like, That's this is what we're doing. The easier way to win is to play worse players.
1: Your uh, your cash game advice and talk is really valuable. It's actually really, really good.
2: (laughs) I'm glad I'm glad. Hopefully it helps. That was
1: a that's a compliment. It's supposed to be a good thing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think
2: it's just, you know, that's there are certain ways. And like I said at the beginning, like we're going to try to do some podcasts here that make people think of things that they don't always think about it. it. It's not all about like which players you're playing. Um, it's not all about how much you're playing. Like there's a lot that goes into it that uh, will affect your ROI. Like if if you are somebody who never thought about contest selection at all, and now you're like, wait a minute, maybe I will try to play these other games because they're, they should be softer. Your ROI should go up from that. And you're not really changing anything other than the people you're playing against as opposed to the contest or how much money you're putting in.
1: And in a cash game situation, you mentioned, you know, just to use a number, you know, $21 double ups or $21 head to heads. Are you playing the same lineup in all those? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I generally, I mean, m- football's a little different. So that's different. your, that's your cash game lineup for the week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um,
2: so that's the other thing. Like people will see like, oh, this guy is in every double up. And so he's like max entering the double ups or, you know, basically trying to like spread out exposure, but like most people tend to have like one i mean if if they're differentiating it's a very small difference. one player maybe two maybe they change a defense just because um but like generally uh people who play a lot of cash games have like a single optimal lineup and they'll play that everywhere um which uh is one of those things that like that's why you want to play as many people as possible because if your lineup completely tanks like you're in trouble in every gpp but in cash games they're there are probably people that will be worse if you do, you know, if you really put the time into this, like maybe your hundred dollars turns into $38, but it's better than turning into zero. And right. so you're 30, you still have 38 bucks to play with next week.
1: That's a, no, that's a, that's really good. That's cash games are something that I'm pretty good with picking GBPs and kind of lineups there and players, but uh, cash game exposure and kind of mixing it around is a little bit something that I need to better at. So that was uh, that's definitely a valuable, a valuable thing for everybody here.
2: Yeah, I hope. I mean, it's again, it's one of those small things that I think people will uh, will be able. You know, if you if you really pay attention to it, you're going to realize that wait, wait, I'm winning more because yeah. I'm actually targeting people who I think I can beat. All right, that's uh, all we got for this week on uh, DFS contest selection. Thank you to our sponsor, Dynasty Owner, for. Uh, sponsoring this podcast Uh, Scott and I will be back next week with another strategy discussion Um, we have a number of topics that we can discuss so if anybody has any feedback and likes to touch on something specific we can certainly do that Uh, otherwise we're just gonna keep rolling these on Fridays as we head into the daily fantasy football season so thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week